Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, February the 6th, 2019. It's 4 p.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Los Angeles, 9 p.m. in London and Sydney, Australia. Good morning. It's 8 o'clock in the morning there. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I have to say, Cynthia, I'm feeling pretty happy. Things are going well. Had some really interesting synchronicities come up this past week. Um, I'll I'll tell you about one that happened on Tuesday. Um, Steve Rowell, who is a coach from the U.K., has become uh, my new uh, co-host for Tuesday afternoon. And he and I uh, did, a, did a show on Tuesday. And then after the show, um, he had asked me about something that I'd said during the podcast, because I mentioned that I started this podcast about six and a half years ago. And I guess he did a little math in his head and asked me afterward, when exactly did you start six and a half years ago? And I said, oh, well, that's easy. We started on Louise's and my 13th wedding anniversary. So it was September 26, 2012. And he got this look on his face, and then he went to go check his computer. He says, hang on a minute. And he pulled up a document. He says, it was. That was the day that he sent a letter to the Church of England asking them to investigate crimes against him and other people when they were young kids of sexual abuse. The day that we started the podcast is the day he sent that letter. And now six years later, he's on the podcast with me. And last oh, week, wow. and last week he told us that he is in the process of working something out with the office of the Archbishop of Canterbury to address victims of sexual abuse within the church. Can you believe wow. this? Like, holy cow. <laughs> we, 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 we were like, wow. we, we were looking at each other on the, you know, the blue jeans platform <laughs> and just saying over and over again, we can't believe this. This is just, that's crazy. That's insane. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, great week for synchronicities, I have to say. <laughs> so, how well, are, there's a lot, whenever there's synchronicities happening, there's alignment. That's all that is. We're in yeah. sync with, right? So that's yeah. really cool, uh, especially when, when it's sort of retroactive. Yeah. I mean, right? when you find something connected to <laughs> six and a half years ago, oh, boy. <laughs> That's really something on the same day, the exact same day. Wow. I'm still getting over that one, but that was good. You That's know. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, Very good. he hasn't been able to tell us a whole lot of details about what's going on with that new gig he's got going on with the church, with the Archbishop of Canterbury's office. But, I mean, just being that high up there, whatever comes out of it, that's going to be really good because, I mean, certainly that, that kind of scandal has been uh, a bad thing that has affected multiple layers of the Christian church, but to have it addressed and have people get help and have that happen on a massive scale, that that's such a good thing. That, that No matter how you it look is at it, that's a good thing. thing. And we're seeing that happen. We are. Right? We're yeah. seeing we're seeing so many um, things that were hidden, that were secret, that were covered up, all of a sudden coming out into the light. Isn't and it's not always comfortable when that happens. No. But that's no. the process of healing, right, yeah. is things coming out into the light. So... Good to see, good to see that happen. And actually, as I'm telling the story, Steve has logged in to the comments section. Hey, Steve, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so once again, the synchronicities keep on coming. <laughs> yeah, very good. So how have you been? Have you had a good week? I have had a good week. It's been that good. Was, all right. And we're we're back into the high seventies. <laughs> <laughs> see, you gotta love Louisiana for that. I tell you. Right, I'm I'm serious. Right, my one of my best friends who lives in Minneapolis. Last week it was minus fifty, 
And um, I just, I don't know how anyone can do it, right? I have actually lived in a temperature like that for a day. When I went to school, I went to school in upstate New York, and, and there was one particular day I remember, it didn't reach minus 50, it reached about minus 40 with wind chill that knocked it even lower than that. And it, that was brutally cold. But it was interesting. We we all took a walk to the next building on campus just to see what it was like. We did it as a group to make sure <laughs> nobody would get in trouble or anything, you know. Um, but, and it was cold. It was darn cold. Oh, boy, was that cold. We were very glad to get back inside. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think she told me that they were saying on the news, um, if you had to go outside, that you couldn't be outside for more than, I guess, it, about five minutes was when you were in danger of frostbite. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, you definitely, you, you layer up in order to, to weather that kind of a thing. I mean, I probably yeah. had like every shirt on and every sweater on and, and a jacket <laughs> and a coat. And I mean, it was just all layered up there. So they're, you're like this big snowball, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, we, we're not dealing with that kind of weather here. It's not been really. a really nice, a nice week and uh, everything seems to be just going well. So thank you for asking. This yes. is the beautiful time of year too, isn't it? In Louisiana. It is. Um, what comes to mind right away is that is the Japanese magnolia trees, mm. which are gre- have green leaves on them at the other time of year. But this time of year, they have no leaves at all, but they have little furry buds that you don't really notice until right around Valentine's Day. Oh. They open up into big pink flowers Ooh. all over the trees. So there's no greenery, no leaves, just big pink flowers all over these bare branches. And they're really, really lovely. And it's almost like clockwork that they bloom on Valentine's Day, right <laughs> mid-February. They'll be blooming all over town. It's really, really nice. Very great. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, sounds like things are going good. So very very excellent. I like it. So we are uh, getting to continue talking about Neville. And, and I have to say I'm a little bit in Neville withdrawal because <gasps> we're used to doing it three times a week. And then you had to switch your I schedule know. around. And so now we're doing it one time a week. So it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I got to get my dose in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well, you know, I think that moving through this particular Neville book, Your Faith is Your Fortune, uh, it's a really good one for this because it's a strong dose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a strong dose. <laughs> strong stuff here. It is. Uh, well, I'm, gl- I'm glad we got the good stuff. That's good. <laughs> it's the good stuff. <laughs> and I marked where we were in the middle of chapter six, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. But I wanted to back up just to one little, just a few sentences where before where we left off because I thought it was really powerful. So I've got it marked. Now I need to figure out where I started again. Let's see. Okay. This sentence that says, Consciousness is the eternal light which crystallizes only through the medium of your conception of yourself. I thought that was a really powerful sentence mm. because it he goes on to say, change your conception of yourself and you will automatically change the world in which you live. And I love what he, we covered this last time, but I just wanted to start here. He says, do not try to change people. They're only messengers telling you who you are. Revalue yourself and they will confirm the change. So again, like we know this is true that when we change, everything else changes. Mm-hmm. Especially in, you know, relationship. We're, 
as a relationship coach, so many times I get people that as soon as they find out what I do and I say I'm a relationship coach, they go, oh, you need to talk to my, you know, you need to talk to my husband. Oh, yeah, you need to talk somebody. to my sister. Yeah. You know, it's always someone else, right? Right, so, right. And it's like what we have to realize is that when we change, everything else changes. It doesn't always mean that, you know, that all we have to do is change and our relationship will be better. Sometimes our relationship ends, but it's a change because right? mm, <laughs> we change and we're not in resonance with that anymore. So I like that he says, do not try to change people. Yes. They're only messengers telling you who you are. Revalue yourself and they will confirm the change. That's hard now to remember, you will realize. by the way. That, that, that's hard to remember that they're only messengers because that's not the way we experience it. We experience it like, you know, there's this person over here who's broken. I got to fix this person over here. But that's, mm. he's saying, no, don't go there at all. Just recognize that no. this person's bringing you a message. And like, whoa, wait. And I, I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's right akin to that concept that the whole world is a mirror for us. Mm -hmm. Everything's just shining back at us, something that we are putting out there. Um, he says, now you will realize why Jesus sanctified himself instead of others. Why to the pure, all things are pure. Why in Christ Jesus, the awakened consciousness, there's no condemnation. So again, Neville decoder ring time. Right. When he talks about, when Neville talks about Christ, when he talks about Jesus, when he talks about God, he's referring to your imagination or what he calls the awakened consciousness. So that's really important to remember so that we can understand what he's telling us. He says, awake from the sleep of condemnation. And prove the principle of life. Stop not only your judgment of others, but your condemnation of yourself. Whenever I read that, I think about the idea that our level of consciousness is directly related to our lack of judging. Mm -hmm. So the judgier we are, the lower our consciousness level is. <laughs> and I especially like that last part uh, where he says, stop not only your judgment of others, but your condemnation of yourself. I've, right. I've really right. become aware in the last year, especially just how often we do that, just how often I do that to myself. And I'm 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 really very, very diligent now in paying attention. Am I am I saying or doing something or focusing on something where I'm being hard on myself? Because, boy, oh boy, we, I do it a lot. I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't speak for others. I do it a lot to myself and I'm trying to do it a lot, lot less. I remember um, a, a phrase or a saying when I was in coaching school um, one of my mentors said, if we treated other people the way we treat ourselves, we'd all be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> right? I mean, we all do have a tendency towards condemning ourselves, and that's mm -hmm. why Neville's saying this. And the interesting thing is we, we often can recognize when someone is caught up in the blame game and just blaming everyone else, mm -hmm. right? It's like, Oh, they're such a victim, you know, that they're not going to ever take responsibility. Everything's someone else's fault. But there's another thing that we fall into, and that is blaming ourselves for everything. That's right. And it's just as bad. Like we need to, when you get out of the blame game, you don't, you no longer blame everyone else, but you don't blame yourself either. You just step up and take responsibility, mm -hmm. which is different. It's a higher vibration than blame. Yeah. So it's good that he, Address not only judging others, but also I condemning agree. ourselves. I, I think it's probably the strongest part of the par paragraph, actually, but I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So he says here, and this is where I think we left off. This is where I put my marker. Here, the revelation of the enlightened, 
I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that seeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Happy is the man who condemneth himself not in that which he alloweth. And it reminds me of Abraham saying, the worst thing that you can do for yourself is to do something that you think is bad for you. Mm. Right? Like Abraham says, like about food, if you think a certain thing is really unhealthy, then you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? It well, reminds me of that because, <laughs> you know. What was it Didi who in- shared the story about how Neville and his mentor Abdullah were having a conversation? Mm-hmm. Right. And his mentor said, that don't, don't do what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not eat, advancing eat that. Don't do this. <laughs> uh, what was he said? He would, he would eat ice cream and, um, and drink, drink a glass rye. of rye. Yeah. Oh. So ice cream and whiskey. And Neville said, Oh, that, I just, that just seems like it'd be so terrible. And he said, well, then for you, it would be, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> don't right? do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Uh, I think I'm, okay, in, I'm so, in Neville's camp on that one, actually. The idea of those two together just makes, <laughs> turns my stomach. No, thank you. <laughs> so Neville says, stop asking yourself whether or not you are worthy or unworthy to claim yourself to be that which you desire to be. You will be condemned by the world only as long as you condemn yourself. Mm, I yeah. love this. Stop asking yourself whether or not you are worthy or unworthy to claim yourself to be that which you desire to be. You know, we have this idea with law of attraction about, you know, asking, putting it out there, asking the universe for something. And I always say that the universe is always supporting us. But what I mean by that is whatever story we're telling, that's what gets supported. Oh, yeah. And so many of us have the story that the universe is like the universe is up there with some kind of validation rubber stamp, you know, looking at our request and deciding whether it's wor- we're worthy or not. And that's just not the case. It's like, it's, it's not the case. I, we thinking, can stop I, asking ourselves that. I'm, I'm thinking um, of, there's this guy at this large desk and he's got the two rubber stamps, approved, approved, rejected, approved. <laughs> <laughs> Neville says you do not need to work out anything. The works are finished. The principle by which all things are made and without which there is not anything made that is made, is eternal. You are this principle. Your awareness of being is this everlasting law. You've never expressed anything that you were not aware of being, and you never will. Assume the consciousness of that which you desire to express. Blame it until it becomes a natural manifestation. Feel it. And live within that feeling until you make it your nature. Here's a simple formula. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a simple formula. Take your attention from your present conception of yourself and place it on that ideal of yours. The ideal you had heretofore thought beyond your reach. Claim yourself to be your ideal. Not as something that you will be in time but as that which you are in the immediate present. Do this, and your present world of limitations will disintegrate as your new claim rises like the phoenix from its ashes. There's a parallel going on here that I just noticed. The The description he gave in the, these last few sentences is it's basically about manifesting yourself. It's about 
hardening your, your, your own sense of identity into consciousness, which is exactly the same approach he takes with drawing something to you. You harden it. Yes. You harden it into reality. It's the exact same concept. It's the exact same thing. And in fact, it's, to me, it's first and foremost, because when we become that person that has those things and opportunities and relationships, when we become that person, when we assume that identity, those things will automatically come to us. They will harden into fact. They have to, because it's who we are. Oh, interesting question from Jeffrey. And we kind of have to take make sure that we take it in context because we've already said what Neville means whenever he talks about Christ Jesus or Jesus. But Jeffrey's, right. Jeffrey's question is, did Jesus condemn himself and why? Not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. What an answer. I like that. <laughs> Sorry, no, Jeffrey. Said, oh, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can't channel Neville on that, and Neville Neville is going to say that Jesus was not a historical person. Exactly. That yeah. that Jesus, when he speaks of Jesus, he's using the metaphor of your own consciousness. Now he's already he's already addressed that we do condemn ourselves. We judge other people and we condemn ourselves. What does that mean to condemn ourselves? Well, you know, I like to think that when we, when we haven't forgiven ourselves, and I'm not even speaking of forgiveness in the way Neville speaks of it, which, you know, we've talked about that. Neville talks about forgiveness of sin, mm-hmm. using sin being missing the mark. Right. And forgiveness is just straightening up that aim. Mm-hmm. That we make it right. We mm-hmm. just correct our aim and we hit the target this time or we hit the bullseye. Um, but I'm just talking about forgiveness. You know, many of us can look back at whatever experiences we've had in our past that we're not too happy with, that we're uncomfortable about. And we don't forgive ourselves for that. We blame ourselves. This is, again, that self-condemnation. We look back and we think we should have made a better choice. We think we should have done something differently. We think, why am I not doing better? Why have I not gotten further along in my path? Or whatever we beat ourselves up for. And we we condemn ourselves in that if we haven't forgiven ourselves, then we are judging ourselves as guilty. And what always is connected to a guilty judgment is punishment. Mm. So if we have proclaimed ourselves guilty, we will automatically bring along punishing experiences to line up with that. So it's much better to forgive ourselves. So whether or not Jesus condemned himself, which actually I don't know that we can know the answer to that question. We weren't there and we weren't him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. This is right? true. And it also sounds like one of those circular questions, you know, like if God is, is God big enough to make a rock that's so heavy he can't pick it up, right? Yeah, it's right. like you know, one of those questions about did Jesus condemn himself? I expect that the real question is, you know, is if Jesus is all-powerful, then did he, you know, if you want to go by what the New Testament says, it says that he laid his life down. If you want to say that means he condemned himself, fine. But all of that is out of my realm of personal belief, so... I, I think you get to answer your own question. I think that's good. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> you could dial in and tell us what you think. <laughs> I mean, the way you were describing it 
what you were describing was essentially the trap of second-guessing ourselves. When we second-guess yeah. ourselves, we basically put ourselves on trial, condemned ourselves, and now we're setting ourselves up for punishment. So, exactly. So even the act of asking, was Jesus condemning himself, is an act of second-guessing. Do we really want to go down that road? <laughs> Not so sure yeah. myself. Yeah. I say, you know, the easiest way to answer that question is, for me, is, have, is having to say, as a human being, it's something that we all do. Mm-hmm. But then we could get into, you know, the whole aspect of whether or not you believe um, we're all divine or just Jesus was or all of that. And that's a it's a whole other religious discussion that's really not germane to what Neville is talking about. Which is true, yeah. Right? Yeah. As, long, as so, long as we're talking about it. And Didi expressed it very nicely. She said that uh, um, Jesus is our imagination in action. As long as we're going to understand it that way, and I think that is right. the right way to understand Neville, then I think it only makes sense to ask our questions within that context. Because otherwise the questions aren't even going to make any sense to us. Now, what's really interesting is if we asked... If we ask that question that Jeffrey asked in that context, then we're asking if we condemn ourselves. This is true. Yeah, that's true. And and we've discussed that, and we've sadly come to the conclusion that, yes, <laughs> we probably all have at some time. Hopefully it's not a habit. Um, but it's really easy, you know, to go down that road of when you're wanting something to happen and it's not happening – to automatically decide, well, I must not be worthy, right? Or else it would be happening for me, whatever it is. And we have people all the time that, that say that they have this worthiness issues. They don't feel worthy of love. They don't feel worthy of abundance. They don't feel worthy of success, of health, of thriving, whatever it is. And to me, that's self-condemnation. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. I agree completely. Did we answer your question at all, Jeffrey, or did we oh, just go in a big, no. confusing circle for you? <laughs> uh, actually, I think we did, and he he uh, said, "Thank you for all the responses." I'm just I'm just trying to understand fully, and then later on, he said, "Understood my apologies." So <laughs> I think we got. Oh, no it. <laughs> apologies necessary. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all um, fine. All good. Okay, so. He gives us the simple formula to take our attention from our present conception of ourself and place it over, place our attention on the ideal. And, you know, as much as Neville talks about awareness, imagination, focus, like hyper-focus, and attention, that's what he's telling us right now, mm-hmm. is that we need to focus our attention over there and claim that ideal, not as something that's going to happen sometime in the future, but Something that's already present. Right. Yeah. So he says, do not be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Remember, again, (laughs) we could say the battle is not yours, but your consciousness battle. Mm. You do not fight against your problem. Your problem will only live as long as you are conscious of it. Take your attention away from your problem and the multitude of reasons why you cannot achieve your ideal. Like what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, I guess, I guess I'm not worthy." Concentrate your attention entirely upon the thing desired. Interesting too, because Leave- we just we just did this whole thing here about this this topic, and the topic was basically about all the ways we beat ourselves up, 
And, and we actually yeah. explored one particular way that we were doing that or that we have a tendency to do that. And now he's saying, which is the right thing to say, take your attention away from the problem and the multitude of reasons why you cannot achieve your ideal. Concentrate your attention entirely upon the thing desired. And I know we, we, we've talked that concept a lot. We've talked about not just where Neville is concerned, where Abraham is concerned. I mean, it's a basic law of attraction concept. Put your focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. But even with that in mind, as we're reading this, I'm realizing Boy, it, it takes a lot after we've been in this negative space for a while. Because we have. We've been in, talking about this negative topic here for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. And it, it takes a lot to pull your attention away from it. You know what I mean? You know, so so it becomes really important, very important on us to, to say, okay, I'm done with that. I am now going to move back to what I want and remind ourselves what is it that I wanted in the first place. And, you know, that we've talked about this for a year, the, the idea of pivoting mm-hmm. from – from the idea of what we don't want to the thing we want right. and how a lot of times it's like, you know, by doing that, we're exercising those focusing muscles. Yes. And it reminds me because it's a pivot and we keep coming back and have to pivot back to what we want. And our mind keeps reminding us, wait, but you're not worthy mm-hmm. or wait, but you haven't worked hard enough or wait, but you're lazy or wait, but you have limiting beliefs or all these things. And we go, no, no, no. I don't want to think about that. I want to focus over here on what I want. And then our mind reminds us again, have you looked at your bank account lately? <laughs> yes. It's really low. Yeah. You do know that you're not in a good relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all the things. All and I go, no, 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 I'm going to focus on what I want. It reminds me of reps at the gym, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, sure, yeah. Well, when you think of it, you don't go to the gym. Pick up a weight, put it down, go, well, I do. That's how I do it. I'm done. <laughs> One rep. But seriously, like, we we sometimes think it should be that way. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. But I did focus on what I wanted. I, and I did my affirmations up. this morning. I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> right. But I think it's more like going to the gym and saying, okay, now I'm up to 50 reps. Mm-hmm. Now I'm up to 100 reps. Mm-hmm. Now I can... Because every rep, you know, every pivot builds that muscle to where pretty soon we can. You know, when Neville says, concentrate your attention entirely upon the thing desired, you know, it sounds so easy. Oh, okay, I'll do that. But laser focus, putting all of your attention upon the thing desired, sometimes your whole mind isn't into it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, we're human. Trying to get all of my mind on board so I can really focus takes practice. It does. It does. That, I think, is where it's most important to remember what we were talking about earlier, not condemning ourselves, being kind to ourselves. Because we are human, you know, and we don't maintain perfect concentration all the time. So, you know, when we slip up, (laughs) eh, so what? You know, when we slipped a little bit, so we'll climb back into alignment again. No big deal. Nothing to beat myself up about. No blame going on here. Just, oh, oh, well, I missed. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Yep. Uh, I like what he says. He says, in the face of seemingly mountainous obstacles, yes. claim claim your freedom. The consciousness of freedom is the father of freedom. It has a way of expressing itself, which no man knows. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord with you. I am the Lord. And remember, he says in this next sentence, I am, your consciousness is the Lord. The consciousness that the thing is done, that the work is finished, 
is the Lord of any situation. Listen carefully to the promise. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord with you. With you. Mm-hmm. That particular consciousness with which you are identified is the Lord of the agreement. He will, without assistance, establish the thing agreed upon the earth. When he says he, he's talking about your consciousness. Your consciousness can establish this thing. It doesn't even need assistance. It mm. just needs to be recognized. And, and as you were reading a few sentences ago, I was strongly reminded of a key concept that we've actually discussed before. And it's one that I, I still have a little bit of a, a problem with, but I understand what he's saying. And that's the idea that all creation is already done. It's finished, it's right. It's all finished. It's all finished. It's all been done. And, and when you think about that concept and read those first those few sentences there i am the lord i am your consciousness is the lord the consciousness is the that the thing is done that the work is finished is the lord of any situation so the awareness that all creation is done is the key point that's what he's pointing out here he's saying that's it you yeah that's the thing you have to understand it's all done it's all there so that's why you don't need to fight you just need to stand there still and see that it's all there it's already done Look at it that way. He's reinforcing yeah, that. Yeah, it's a done deal. Yeah, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. You know, I kind of think of it as, I always try to put things into some kind of practical example that makes sense to us. And I think about, um, you know, if I was waiting for something important in the mail, it's like, and then I get the, I get the notice that it is on the way. It's been shipped. You know, there's a sense of, okay, good. It's a done deal, right? I might not have it in my hands right now, mm-hmm. but it's on its way. Like, and I've just got the tracking number. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's like, okay, go. Right? There's a kind of a sense of relaxation there. It's a sense of, uh, being able to stop resisting and worrying about it. It's like, oh, okay, good. The mm-hmm. thing shipped. It's on its way. Right. Uh, kind of like that. You know, I think that there's a sense of letting go of all of that attachment that we have that causes so much resistance. Now, we got uh, questions, two questions, actually, from Nasha to bring up. Oh, good. Directly tied into what we're talking about here, too. She says, first, when we visualize, I had read that you see it as a movie start and and, and start from the end, as in when the wish is fulfilled, so see the end of the movie. And now I guess it's that we see from our eyes, so we are in the scene and seeing it with our own eyes. Can you please elaborate on this? Well, I think that it's important when when we use any of Neville's um, methods, which I think is what you're addressing with visualizing or imagining that we are in our body, so to speak. Like we've talked about this before. The difference between if I were to say to you, okay, close your eyes and imagine that in front of you, um, that imagine that you're watching yourself climb up a ladder. That's different than saying, okay, close your eyes and imagine there's a ladder in front of you and that you're reaching your hands out and you can feel the ladder in your hands. And now imagine that you're putting your feet, you know, no longer are you watching it yourself like a movie, like you're outside of yourself and you're watching from afar, but you're actually in your body and you can feel your feet on the rungs of the ladder and your hands on the sides of the ladder. That's actually Neville's example that he gives in one of his books. Right. And I think it's important that we remember that that we should stay in our body so to speak when we when we use visualization and that we feel what we would feel and not just emotion but actual feelings with the five senses mm-hmm. 
we we feel our, our hands and feet wherever they would be. We actually, we could feel, you know, if we're imagining, I remember a story that Neville told about a woman that, I believe in the story her husband was getting stationed somewhere in the military, and they had hoped to be stationed somewhere where there was, somewhere near the water, uh, Hawaii Florida, or a I beach think, somewhere. I can't remember. I think it was Florida, country, but, I, but I know which story you okay, mean. Okay, Florida. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. And, and so in their visualization, what they imagined was that they could feel the sand under their feet. They right. could feel their bare feet walking on the beach in the sand. Mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the most important things that we remember when we're visualizing is that we feel it in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even have to be, you know, some people have trouble, um, visualizing, like seeing a vision, so to speak. And that's okay because so much of this work can be done without that visual sense can be done with hearing and feeling, tasting, smelling, all of our other senses. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's also important to remember too, Nasha, that the, um, it, it isn't so much what's happening at the end of the movie. It's rather what's happening next after X appears. The X being the thing yes. that you're trying to attract. Right. The thing that you've, that you've gotten. Right. You know, when you, when you think about the way movies are made, the way they tell a story with, by show, you were talking about this, uh, recently while showing us something instead of telling us something. Right. So when you see a movie and at the opening scene of the movie, you know, often there's no words. Yeah. Right? You see, you see a person and you see them uh, with their realtor and they're putting a sold sign on the front of a house and they're smiling and they're shaking hands and the realtor's handing them a key. Like they don't have to have any words, but in your mind, you're like, Oh wow, they just bought that big, beautiful house. It belongs to them now. Everybody's happy. They're going to take the key and go inside. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so that's, that could be a vignette for someone. If what Absolutely. you were desiring was to buy a new home, right? It would be that short, It'd be that little short, movie type of thing in fact louise so. and i like to comment that uh in in the movies where the actor it, where one particular actor who's a really good one is able to convey an entire scene with wording and everything just through their actions that's an outstanding actor the example we like to point to is in the movie um a hundred foot journey which is the story of a family from india that moved to france and end up setting up an indian restaurant right across the street from a French restaurant that has a, a Michelin star. And uh, they, they basically have this little competition that goes between them. Well, um, one of the themes in the movie is the son of the Indian family ends up uh, trying to get a job working at the French restaurant. He's like the chef of the family, and he wants to expand his knowledge to add French cuisine to what he knows how to cook. Um, so he, go, he, he goes to the owner. There's a long story about how this happens, but he goes to the owner and says, I would like to cook you an omelet, knowing that that's her method for checking out whether or not you actually have potential as a chef. So with her help, he creates this omelet, and then you see, and the, 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 the woman he's doing this with is Helen Mirren, who's obviously a fabulous actress. Um, the next scene, you see Helen sitting down. You're watching her from behind. You see her sitting down and cutting into the omelet, and she takes a bite, and then she just straightens up. And then the camera comes around to the front, <laughs> And there's this look on her face, and she's taking another <laughs> bite, 
And now bear in mind that they've had this competition going on between the two restaurants. So she has seen him up to this point as being the opposition, the competition. And she takes a bite, and it's delicious. She goes, oh, she's totally deflated. <laughs> you know, no words at all. But just because <laughs> she could show it just by, by demonstrating how it feels. That, that, that to me is like the so best that, kind of thing. So that's a great example. Yeah. And it's great for us to recognize when we're doing this work that the feeling has to be there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the, boy, the feeling is there with that kind of an actor. <laughs> and I have never heard of that movie. I just wrote it down. Oh, it's a great <laughs> movie. Anyone who has not seen The Hundred Foot Journey, see that movie. That it, it's, it's a heartwarming movie. It's a cool movie. It's fun. It's, it's really good. Really, really good. Okay, good. We were just talking about this last night, that we needed a movie that was uplifting. And so, thank you. Yeah, fabulous movie. <laughs> fabulous movie. Really good. See, <laughs> I just mentioned it, and a movie just fell in my lap. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, Dee Dee is saying that uh, uh, Neville's going to answer Nasha's question in a few paragraphs, so we should continue to see what that is. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. So, let's see. Uh, can you, in the face of the army of reasons why a thing cannot be done, Quietly enter into an agreement with the Lord that it is done. So let's um, use our replacement method here. Can you, in the face of the army of reasons why a thing cannot be done, quietly enter into an agreement with your imagination that it is already done? Mm, that's the challenge right there. That's, that's the challenge. But I love the way he says, can you quietly enter into an agreement? <laughs> <laughs> Can you, now that you have found the Lord to be your awareness of being, become aware that the battle is won? Can you, no matter how near and threatening the enemy seems to be, continue in your confidence, standing still, knowing that the victory is yours? If you can, then you will see the salvation of the Lord. Remember, the reward is to the one who endures. Stand still. Standing still is the deep conviction that all is well. It is done. No matter what is heard or seen, you remain unmoved, conscious of being victorious in the end. All things are made by such agreements. And without such an agreement, there is not anything made that is made. I am that I am. In Revelation, it is recorded that a new heaven and a new earth shall appear. John, shown this vision, was told to write, It is done. Heaven is your consciousness, and earth its solidified state. Therefore, accept as did John, it is done. All that's required of you who seek a change is to rise to a level of that which you desire. Without dwelling upon the manner of expression, record that it is done by feeling the naturalness of being it. Here is an analogy that might help you see this mystery. <laughs> Suppose you entered a motion picture theater just as the picture, just as the feature picture came to its end. All that you saw of the picture was the happy ending. Because you wanted to see the entire story, you waited for it to unfold again. With the anticlimactic sequence, the hero is displayed as accused, surrounded by false evidence, and all that goes to wring tears from the audience. But you, secure in the knowledge of the ending, remain calm with the understanding that regardless of the seeming direction of the picture, the end has already been defined. 
In like manner, go to the end of that which you seek. Witness the happy end of it by consciously feeling you express and possess that which you desire to express and possess. And you, through faith, already understanding the end, will have confidence born of this knowledge. This knowledge will sustain you through necessary interval of time it takes for the picture to unfold. Ask no help of man. Feel. It is done by consciously claiming yourself to be now that which is man you hope to be. That's so cool. They, they brought in a motion picture analogy right after we gave <laughs> a motion picture analogy. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that. And I, I love that idea because it's so true, right? If you're watching a movie that you've already seen and you know it has a happy ending mm -hmm. and someone's with you and they're watching it and they're worried, oh, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> right? and, and I recall from a very young age developing that mindset where movies were concerned. In fact, when I first saw my first movie that didn't have a happy ending, I was, like, stunned. Like, wait a minute, what happened to the movie? I don't understand. <laughs> But I, I was already in a mindset that said, it's all going to work out at the end. I don't have to worry about it. And, and right. it, that's actually a very pleasant mindset to have. It's a very calming one because you don't get upset about stuff. I mean, it can be entertaining to watch some of it, but you don't get upset about it. And that, that's a, an important distinction because if we're not upset about it, we're not blaming, we're not uh, uh, pointing fingers at the wrong stuff, we're not getting upset, we're, we're not focusing on what we don't want. We're just saying, oh, well, okay, that's part of the story. Now, how's it resolve again? Oh, yeah, let's find out. <laughs> so I think that we can probably cover the next chapter. Are you game? Is it that short? Yeah, it's fairly short. Let's see. Well, we'll have to move along, but let's see if we can do it. I think we can do it. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because right up front, the – uh, the title of the chapter, Thy Will Be Done. Mm -hmm. And he's going to start quoting a lot of scriptures. Okay. So as we read through these, keep in mind, again, that when he talks about Jesus, when he talks about God, when he talks about Father, all of those things he is saying are really just a metaphor for our consciousness, for our imagination. So let's see how it plays out. Okay. He quotes, Not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, let thine be done. This resignation is not one of blind realization that I can of myself do nothing. The Father within me, he does the work. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And then he quotes, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the work. Now remember, again, consciousness and imagination. When man wills, he attempts to make something which does not now exist appear in time and space. Too often, we're not aware of that which we are really doing. We unconsciously state that we do not possess the capacities to express. We predicate our desire upon the hope of acquiring the necessary capacities in future time. I am not, but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Man does not realize that consciousness is the father which does the work, so he attempts to express that which he's not conscious of being. Such struggles are doomed to failure. Only the present expresses itself. 
Unless I'm conscious of being that which I seek, I will not find it. God, your awareness, is the substance and fullness of all. God's will is the recognition of that which is, not of that which will be. Instead of seeing this saying as, thy will be done, see it as, thy will is done. Mm. The works are finished. The principle by which all things are made, visible, is eternal. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither hath it entered into the hearts of man, the things which God hath prepared for those who love the law. When a sculptor looks at a formless piece of marble, he sees, buried within its formless mass, his finished piece of art. The sculptor, instead of making his masterpiece, merely reveals it by removing that part of the marble which hides his conception. The same applies to you. In your formless awareness lies buried all that you will ever conceive yourself to be. The recognition of this truth will transform you from an unskilled laborer who tries to make it so to a great artist who recognizes it to be so. Your claim that you are now that which you want to be will remove the veil of human darkness and reveal your claim perfectly. I am that. God's will was expressed in the words of the widow. It is well. Man's will would have been, it will be well. To state, I shall be well, is to say, I am ill. God, the eternal now, is not mocked by words or vain repetition. God continually personifies that which is. Thus, the resignation of Jesus, who made himself equal with God, was turning from the recognition of lack, which the future indicates with, I shall be, to the recognition of supply, by claiming, I am that, it is done. Thank you, Father. Now you will see the wisdom in the words of the prophet when he states, let the weak say, I am strong. Man, in his blindness, will not heed the prophet's advice. He continues to claim himself to be weak, poor, wretched, and all the other undesirable expressions from which he is trying to free himself by ignorantly claiming that he will be free from these characteristics in the expectancy of the future. Such thoughts thwart the one law that can ever free him. There is only one door through which that which you seek can enter your world. I am the door. And remember, we talked about this last time, that that door is our consciousness. Right. That's how everything comes to us, through the door of our consciousness. Yes. When you say, I am, you are declaring yourself to be first person, present tense. There's no future. To know that I am is to be conscious of being. Consciousness is the only door. Unless you are conscious of being that which you seek, you seek in vain. If you judge after appearances, you will continue to be enslaved by the evidence of your senses. To break this hypnotic spell of the senses, you are told, go within and shut the door. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy door about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, 
until the indignation be overpassed. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them and prayed unto the Lord. The door of the senses must be tightly shut before your new claim can be honored. Closing the door of the senses is not as difficult as it appears to be at first. It is done without effort. It is impossible to serve two masters at the same time. The master the master man serves is that which he is conscious of being. I am Lord and master of that which I am conscious of being. It's no effort for me to conjure poverty if I'm conscious of being poor. My servant, poverty, is compelled to follow me as long as I am conscious of being poor. Instead of fighting against the evidence of the senses, you claim yourself to be that which you desire to be. As your attention is placed on this claim, the doors of the senses automatically close against your former master, that which you were conscious of being. As you become lost in the feeling of being, that which you are now claiming to be, true of yourself, the doors of the senses once more open, revealing your world to be the perfect expression of that which you are conscious of being. Let us follow the example of Jesus who realized, as a man, he could do nothing to change his present picture of lack. He closed the door of his senses against his problem and went to his father, the one to whom all things are possible. Remember again, that's the imagination. Right. Having, having denied the evidence of his senses, he claimed himself to be all that, a moment before, his senses told him he was not. Knowing that consciousness expresses its likeness on earth, he remained in the claimed consciousness until the doors, his senses, opened and confirmed the rulership of the Lord. Remember, I am is Lord of all. Never again use the will of man which claims, I will be. Be as resigned as Jesus and claim, I am that. Some interesting Thoughts? points in this. Uh, well, I want to go back uh, about halfway through the chapter. There were two concepts in there, and they actually tie into a question that Jer um, Jeffrey asked and that uh, Deidre tried to answer. Um, Jeffrey asked, does Neville ever mention co-creators and the role they play? And Dee Dee tried to answer. She said essentially she didn't remember a particular time Neville said that, but certainly being a co-creator is part of what he has in mind. Um, what I noticed is the sentence. Let's see if I can find it. First of all, he he gave us a a slight variation on the definition of God. He said God is the eternal now. So if we tie mm -hmm. that back mm -hmm. to what we know about consciousness, then what he's also saying is that consciousness is the eternal now which makes sense. The only thing that we really have is right now. So interesting how he tied that in. And then very shortly after that, he tied in the concept of lack, which is a very Abrahamic concept, the idea right. of a two-ended stick. So right. where does co-creators come from? That's also an Abraham concept. So even though he hasn't used the phrase co-creator, it strikes me that, yeah, he's pointing in that direction just by talking about that two-ended stick, the lack end of the stick and the thing end of the stick. That's a key concept in the whole co-creation process because when you have two or more people who are focusing in the same way on the same thing, on the same, whether it could be the lack end or the, or the, the thing end, if they're on the same wavelength, so to speak, then they're co-creating together. If one's looking at the lack end and the other's looking at the thing end, there's no co-creation going on. 
So he doesn't use the well, phrase, but I think he's actually talking about it here. Something else that he brought up when when we were talking about um, not don't try to change people, just recognize the the messengers that they are. Right. Yes. Um, some of that lends itself to the idea of co-creation as well, because the people that are in our um, realm are supporting whatever it is that's going on in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, because of that, um, that validation causes us to double down on whatever is in our consciousness, and we create more of it. Right. So I see a little bit of, you know, the idea of co-creation happening that way in Neville's work as well. That's what's so interesting about Neville and Abraham when you look at them together, because their approaches are very different, very, very different. But they mm-hmm. all kind of interweave with each other so that you can tell they're really talking about the same thing. Neville never actually uses the phrase law of attraction. To the best of my knowledge, yeah. he talks about law of assumption, but never law of attraction. And yet, what he's talking about is what we would call law of attraction, which is a really mm-hmm. interesting thing. It just it weaves together so closely. Fascinating. Yeah, so many things they talk about kind of dovetail with each other. They it, really it, do. It is, it is really interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, I think the thing that really stands out for me is in this chapter is just what you said, that he likens God to being now. Mm. And somewhere in here, um, let's see if I can find it. He says, he talks about now, um, being all that we have. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm trying to find that. He, he talks about, yeah, I'm having trouble finding it, but <clears throat> mentioning that, you know, it has to happen now. Our consciousness happens now. <laughs> exactly. Not, not later. Yes. Um, and that, you know, it happens as you become lost in the feeling of being, that which you are now claiming to be true of yourself, uh, the doors of the senses once more open. So everywhere he's talking about, it's what you're claiming now. God, the eternal now. He says it more than once. In fact, so when, that's when he first another important that term. thing is that our, our past, Whatever's happened up until this moment, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a memory. Mm-hmm. And whatever's happening in the future, we don't know. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. So, of course, I'll, I'll, the only way we can create is now. <laughs> right. In the present moment. And that's another reason why I think it's so important that we practice tapping into those five senses when we're doing these, um, vignettes because the five senses generally in a waking state they will bring us into the present moment faster than anything if i ask you you know Walt, uh what do you hear in your surroundings right now and what does the temperature in the room feel like you know you're you will immediately come into the present moment because you have to to answer those questions so I think it's interesting that if we're not in a waking state, but we're in a meditative state, an imaginative state, in that larger dimensional space that Neville talks about, when we're there and we are assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, and I don't mean emotion, I mean the feelings, the temperature in the room, right. 
my feet are on the floor. You know, when we're doing that in that larger dimensional space, we're bringing that thing into the present. Because that's how we tap into the present moment. That's it. Exactly. To me, that's really exciting. I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> it is exciting, and it, and it's a great reminder that, I mean, I think the way Dee Dee phrased it was good. She says, the past is gone and the future has not come. All that there is in the moment is now. Uh, I mean, it's almost directly out of Eckhart yeah. Tolle, the way she wrote that. Uh, but the fact is that because we only have now, when we remind ourselves to stay in the now, that's when we are at our most potent. That's when we have our yes. greatest power. And that's essentially what Neville's driving at here. That that's when when all the good stuff happens. That's it. Yeah. So good stuff about that good stuff. I like that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just want I want to remind people uh, in the last minute or so that we've got. If you're not yet a subscriber, become a subscriber. Uh, instructions are on the homepage. If you can't find it in the description of where you're seeing this podcast. Just go to LOAToday.net. And also, be sure that you're sharing with other people that you're listening because that's how we spread the word and help more and more people get their daily dose of happy. And uh, thank you to also to the people who are in the live stream audience. But if you're just you know, a regular podcast listener, which is like 98% of our audience, um, we want to encourage you to be a part of this too. So, um, there, And there was – oh, and I forgot. There was actually a question. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually extend – the podcast. I completely forgot about this. Somebody wrote in a question for us, Cindy, and I want to make sure that I include it. So we're going to go over a minute or two here, and it's going to take me a moment to get my email open because that's where I have it. But I, I promised this person I was going to bring this up with you. So let's see. Where is that? I forgot to have that ready. Uh, okay. And, of course, I had about 50 emails this week, so it's going to take me a minute to find it. <laughs> uh, where is it? I know it was from, I think it was last Thursday or Friday. Where is it? There's Didi's comment. Oh, where is it? Was this by chance a question about law of attraction and Buddhism? It might have been. Yeah. It might have been that one. As I did, I did answer that question, and then I also said that we would definitely talk about it on a future podcast. So okay, but I I don't know that it's. I think it could be a fairly uh, lively and in depth discussion. I'm probably, not sure. Probably was something we should give more than my, a minute. My to quick that. answer is there's no problem with practicing <laughs> both. Okay, so let's. Uh, what I'll do is I will build it into the description for next week's podcast so that we don't miss it. But that'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to discuss it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my apologies, uh, listener, for having missed that one. But uh, normally, almost every time we get in, but you know, for the next show, this time we'll have to do it for the following one. But uh, please, if you're if you are uh, listening to the recording and you have questions or comments that you want to share, pass them along because we do like to incorporate them. Please so do, yes. with that thought in mind, thank you very much. Uh, first of all, thank you, Cindy, <laughs> for helping bring along the, the Neville Dakota ring and helping straighten all this stuff out. Thank you for our uh, live stream listeners. Thank you for our regular podcast listeners for listening in. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.